turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 21. Hold your place in Daniel, chapter 2, though. Luke, chapter 21. Luke 21. All right. Luke chapter 21, verse 24. I've covered this uh, before, but I want to cover it again just to, for the sake of context. And it reads, and they shall will fall by the edge of the sword. This is Luke 21, chapter 21, verse 24. Jesus is speaking. Actually, it started at verse 20. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its destruction, desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her and let let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are Fulfilled. So for the sake of clarity, in Luke chapter 21, verse 24, this is basically the rule and reign of the Gentile nations. And this is going to be God's plan to discipline the children of Israel all the way until Christ will reign on the earth. So if you turn back with me in the book of Daniel, for those who want to take notes, we did outline the second chapter of Daniel. I'll give the outline again for those who might have missed it or may not have been here. Uh, in Daniel, number one, the outline is the problem, the problem found in verses 1 through 13. And you guys know that was a problem with finding out or telling or in even interpreting the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. So there was a problem in the land. He, it was a death sentence that went out because of the wise man's deceit to want to deceive the dictator called Nebuchadnezzar. So point number one, the problem. Point number two, the plea. Found in verse 14 through 16. Now, this is when Daniel, and he pleads, and he goes before Nebuchadnezzar. And he pleads. His plea was to give him time. And then point number three, the prayer. Found in verses 17 through 23. Daniel not only leaves the king's presence, King Nebuchadnezzar, but he goes and he engages in corporate prayer with his Friends, they're in dire straits. Their life is threatened, and they go to God in prayer. Here tonight, point number four and five, hopefully we will get through them. Point number five, four is the prophecy found in verses 24 through 45. 
And then the last point is point number five, the promotion found in 46 through 49. So tonight we start in verse 24, the prophecy. And it reads, therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the, the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. It's interesting because Arioch, he didn't find the man. Daniel sought him out. But my sneaky suspicion, the reason why Ariot said he found the man that can interpret the king's dream was because of selfish gain. Perhaps he wanted some a part of that lotto ticket reward that he was going to receive. Verse 25, so Ariot quickly brought Daniel before the king. He brought him quickly because no doubt the death sentence was being carried out or about to be carried out. Either one, how you, it, was, it was a grave situation. Verse 26, the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Notice the king asked Daniel, are you able? You know, Nebuchadnezzar, he had with discernment, and thank God he gives kings discernment. Nebuchadnezzar knew that the wise men were up to no good. It's kind of like some of you might have daughters. Fathers should have discernment. When you have a young man knock on the door, want to date your daughter, you should have discernment to know whether or not that young man is up to no good. Amen. So just like this king, Nebuchadnezzar, he knew that the wise men were up to no good to deceive him. So he asked Daniel, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? You know, this is a, it's a grand task before Daniel. Daniel is challenged with not only telling the dream, but giving its interpretation. Daniel answered in the presence of the king, verse 27, and said, The secret which the king has demanded the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, cannot declare to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has made known to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, what will be in the latter days. Now, what's interesting is, in verses 24 and 28, this speaks to, this is a sub, sub part of my point. This shows us the witness of Daniel. 
And I wanted to add this because, or highlight this for us, because remember, Daniel has not been promoted. Daniel's a little peon that goes in be, before the king, and he is associated with the group of the wise men who no doubt tried to pull a fast one on King Nebuchadnezzar. So Daniel goes before the king with all boldness and humility. It shows his humility, but it also shows wisdom, but it also shows Daniel's worship to the God of heaven. I don't know about y'all, but Daniel's not a grown man. He's probably 17 and below. He's a young man and he goes, he's not intimidated by titles nor this death sentence because the God that he served answers prayer. I want to stop that parenthetically because many of us neglect to be a witness at times when we should be a witness. Amen. Daniel stands in dire straits. It could be us. We could be on the street ready to witness to a hostile crowd for Christ. Are you going to say something? Are we going to say something for the Lord? Daniel. Verse 27, it says, he answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. Notice that Daniel says the astrologers, these who have studied stars and the soothsayers, these, these wise men were seers. Of the occult. I mean, they had a playbook. They had an NFL playbook on dreams and all kind of sorts of things. But they could not tell the king his dream. Daniel essentially is saying that although you got these seers and these wise men, quote unquote, in Babylon, there's only one God, true and living God, that can reveal secrets. And he's the God of heavens. He's the God of heaven. Who reveals secrets. And he has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. The latter days. The latter days is no doubt pointing to a consummation of things. It includes the, the visions of Nebuchadnezzar all the way to the second coming of Christ, known as the time of the Gentiles. That's why I read that. God is doing something in the life of this young man, and he goes before the king with good news. It's good news because no longer is it going to be a death sentence lingering not only over his head, but everybody's head who's considered a wise man. 
He says, your dream and visions of your head upon your bed were these. Verse 29. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while you were on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. See the confidence of this young man? He said, what I'm about to tell you is a guarantee that the Lord, that God of heaven revealed it. What boldness. I mean, if we're going to be the type of witness that God wants us to be, we can't be a coward. Amen. Think about it. Why would we be afraid and we serve the God of heaven who created all things. Next time, the enemy wants to put doubt in your mind to witness for the Lord. Think about that. Think about the God. I mean, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. I mean, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power. In us today. If this message does not embolden us or empowers us, you need to check your religion. Because Daniel could stand with confidence because he stood on the word of God. I mean, it's rumored when Billy Graham was preaching News went out. They didn't know how he was going to fill uh, the stadiums with all kind of people. I mean, they had all kind of theologians, people that went to school, very versed in the Bible. But when that last person came through the door, folks realized one fact. The reason why the stands were filled up was because Pastor Billy Graham, he preached with authority and he preached the Bible. Why am I saying that? When you go out and witness in this world, you don't have to be a coward because you're preaching the Bible. The good news. The news that's better than news. I mean, it's the best news that anybody want to hear. We serve a God that he sits high, but he looks low. We serve a God that this world will come into submission after bow. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Verse 30. It says, but as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I ha have more wisdom than any living. But for our sakes, who, who make known the interpretation to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. Daniel. He did not fail to seize the opportunity to be a witness. We fail at times to miss the opportunity to be a witness. You know why Daniel didn't fail 
at the opportunity to be a witness, he acknowledged the Lord in all his ways as the Lord directed his path. Proverbs 3 and 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, underline that, and he shall direct, direct your path. Remember, Daniel's life is in a balance. He acknowledges the Lord. He, see, that's the problem with us. The reason why we're not doing what God calls us to do is because we want to ignore the Lord because we want to sin. We want to lust. We want to do our own thing instead of repenting. But as soon as we all acknowledge who God is in all our ways, guess what? Our relationship with him is better. We repent of our sins. We read our Bibles. We be renewed of the word daily. That goes for all of us. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So as the word is going out, it's cutting me too. It's a two-edged sword. It cuts the preacher down to the pew. No one is above the standard of God's word. And Daniel, he recognized that. He recognized that he ought to be a witness if this is his last time on earth. I mean, think about that. If this was your last time on earth, what would you do? Would you go shopping on Black Friday? I mean, what would you do? Would you go to a NASCAR race? I love NASCAR, by the way. What would you do? Daniel is being a witness for the Lord. What a great example. What a great example. In Matthew 10, 32, I want to drive home this point for us to be a witness. It says, therefore, whoever confessed me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Talking about the same God in heaven, amen? But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Daniel, he does not deny the God who is in heaven. I mean, from the Old Testament to the New, we shouldn't be denying the God who is in heaven. Everybody got that point? Amen. Let's move on. Next, we see the world powers found in verse 31 through 45. Let's look at it. Verse 31. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This image whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold were crushed together, became like chaff from the summer threshing floor. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became, became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream 
Now we will tell the interpretation before the king. So, Daniel tells the, the dream. It's a statue or an image. Head of gold. The chest and the arm of silver. The belly and the thighs of bronze. The legs of iron and the ten toes iron and clay. You guys see the image? So Daniel, he tells the dream, and before you on the screen is, is just a, an image for us just to have reference. Now, this is the dream. Look at verse 36. Now we will tell you the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are the king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And whatever the children of men, and wherever the children of men dwell, are the beasts of the field and the birds of heaven. He has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them. You are this head of gold. King Nebuchadnezzar, he represents the head of gold. Now, what's interesting is that it's in Daniel, it says that King Nebuchadnezzar is the king of kings. In one sense, it's true because he was the supreme monarch who was ruling the world at that time. But not only in Daniel, it says that it also says that in Ezekiel chapter 26, verse seven. Let's look at Ezekiel Chapter 26, verse 7, just to turn to the left. Ezekiel chapter 26, verse 7. And it says, For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will bring against Tyre from the north Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, king of kings, with horses, with chariots, and with horsemen, and, and an army with many people. Turn back to Daniel. So we know in the book of Ezekiel, he already prophesied the Lord had told Ezekiel that, Dan that Nebuchadnezzar would be the king of kings, the supreme ruler, the monarch, the dictator at that time. So Daniel, he, he starts to interpret the dream. He already told him what the dream was, but now he's going to interpret it for Nebuchadnezzar. Now, verse 39. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze. So the second kingdom is what? Silver. Gold, silver, bronze, iron, and iron and clay. Everybody with me? Four kingdoms, not five. How many kingdoms? Four. The fifth kingdom is out of sight. Verse 39. After you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another and the third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, insomuch as iron breaks in pieces, shatters everything. So Babylon was gold. The Medo-Persian Empire was silver. The Grecian Empire was bronze. 
And the iron was the Roman Empire. He doesn't state in here, but when you look at chapter 7, um, everything is stated except for the fourth kingdom. Rome was never mentioned. Verse 40. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, insomuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything like iron that crushes. That kingdom will break in pieces and crush all others. The Roman Empire ruled with an iron fist. They crushed people into submission. They brought peace with the iron fist. Verse 41. Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly clay, so the kingdoms shall be partly strong and partly fragile. So these ten toes, that's iron and clay, they're going to be partly strong and partly weak. So this is what folks call the revised Roman Empire. All the kingdoms that we stated except for Rome were conquered. Rome was never conquered. So the time of the Gentiles, remember I told you, it's the rulership of the Gentile nations that disciplined Israel all the way up to the second coming of Christ. Let's keep reading. Verse 43. And as you saw, saw iron mixed with ceramic, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. So this union of the ten toes will never take place. Iron and clay don't mix. These ten toes, later on we're going to find out that these are ten kings. But either way, there's going to be a union, but also division. They're not going to be totally together. They're going to be weak, but also strong. And in these days of the kings, notice this, in these days of the kings. What kings? The ten toes. And all the, those uh, before. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. So in the, in the days of the revised Roman Empire of the ten toes, that's when the fifth kingdom will be set up. What fifth kingdom? I'm glad you asked. Heard you. Verse 44. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So this fifth kingdom that we're talking about is not a temporary kingdom. It is an everlasting kingdom. Let's keep reading. Inasmuch as you saw, the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. 
The great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. Look at the confidence of Daniel. I told you the dream. I told you the interpretation. You can bet bet your bottom dollar on that. He didn't say that, but the point that he was making was, I told you what thus saith the Lord. Now, Babylon reigned, and some of these dates are approximate, so they might be different up on the screen. Babylon reigned from 605 to 539 B.C., approximately. The Medo-Persian Empire reigned from 539 to 331 B.C., and the Grecian or Greece Empire reigned from 331 to 146 B.C., and the Roman Empire reigned from 146 to 1476 A.D., that's the west side branch. And then the east branch of the Roman Empire was 146 to 1453 A.D. That's the east side. So those are the two legs that you see before you. Now, turn with me to Luke chapter 20. We're going to be jumping around. So we're going to be talking about the fifth kingdom. Luke chapter 20. Now, we read in Daniel the stone that was carved out that was thrown at the base of this image that shattered it in pieces. And the Bible says, like the summer threshing wind, like chaff, it vanished. No trace of it, right? I'll tell you who that stone was scripturally. In Luke chapter 20, verse 17 and 18, the start of verse 17, and he looked at them and said, what then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Whoever falls on that stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Notice just like in Daniel and just like any person in this world who do not submit to the lordship of the Lord Savior Jesus Christ, they will become powder. If we want to live forever with the Lord, I suggest that we submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. The Lord is this stone. Now, turn with me to Psalms 118, Psalms 118. Psalms 118, verse 22 through 23. Psalms 118, verses 22, not verse, but lines 22 and 23, excuse me. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone This was the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in your eyes. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28. Going somewhere, brothers? I believe they're recording this. So if you you guys don't have any pen to write it down, you can get the recording. Amen. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. 
It says, therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. And then finally, not finally, let's go to Daniel chapter 7. You say, man, why we didn't go to Daniel first? That's the reason uh, we all need to learn how to find the scriptures and find the chapters in the books of the Bible. Amen. Yeah. Daniel chapter 7. Verse 13 and 14. He says, I'm watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Remember in Daniel, we, we talked about the fifth kingdom forever and ever, everlasting kingdom. This is the kingdom. Now turn with me to Revelations chapter 19. Revelations chapter 19. Verse 11, the second advent, second coming of Christ. Revelation 19, verse 11. Everybody should know where Revelation's at. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judge, judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with, with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it it should strike the nations. Talking about the Gentile nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of fierceness and the wrath of the Almighty. And he, has, and he has on his robe and on his thigh the name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Now, the battle of Armageddon. Let's look at Revelation 19 verses uh, 17 through 21. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains, the, mighty, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and the flesh of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beasts, the kings of the earth, and their armies. So this is the battle of Armageddon. Remember, Jesus has a sword that goes out of his mouth, right? Here we go. And I saw the beasts, 
The kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Talking about the Lord Jesus. Then the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who worked signs in the presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped the image. These were... These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword, which proceed from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all birds were filled with their flesh. I mean, the birds, they wasn't full. They was filled. They was fooled up. Now, turn with me to Revelations chapter 20, and we, we end on these last two. Actually, we end on this last verse. Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judge, judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus. We just talked about witness tonight, didn't we? Amen. And for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received the mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. There's a kingdom that's coming. It's an everlasting kingdom where Christ will rule one day over all nations. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God allowed King Nebuchadnezzar, who no doubt worship idol gods, to see an image of an idol. But to give him a preview, a sneak preview, that the kingdom was not all about him. It's about someone greater that's coming after him. I tell you, I challenge you. When you think about Daniel, and we won't get to the promotion. When you think about Daniel, after he interpreted the dream, King Nebuchadnezzar, he gave praise to the Lord. He gave credit. If we are to be the witness that God wants us to be in this world, we must worship him in spirit and in truth. What does that mean, brother? I'm glad you asked. We need to walk in the spirit to not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That means we need to yield our members unto the Lord. So if you guys are doing things that are is unauthorized by the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to repent. Amen. Amen. If we're doing things that are not authorized by the Lord Savior Jesus Christ, we all need to repent. Amen. God wants us all to be a witness. Daniel was courageous. Daniel was bold, but he gave the glory to God. God wants us to give him the glory out of our lives, out of what we say and do.
this day be a hearer and a doer of his word. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, O God, for your grace, your mercy. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the dream, for the interpretation. We thank you, O God, for Daniel being a witness, even in the midst of a death sentence. Help us to be bold, to share your word, even if it costs our lives. We pray, O God, that we yield our members not to the world nor the flesh, but yield to the spirit to be mighty men of valor, creating us a clean heart and renew a right spirit. We thank you, O God, for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. It's in the matchless name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's children say, Amen. Amen.